Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on some key legislative focuses of Congress, developments on the foreign policy front, the prospects for an expanded Supreme Court, and more. So joining me here on the line for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, happy Friday. Great to be with you as always and looking forward to diving into some of these topics with you on the podcast today. As always, Dan, good to be with you and I hope you're doing well. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. So I know it's actually been a couple of weeks since we last spoke on our most recent podcast. Might have been a couple of weeks ago. A Congress was in the midst of their spring recess. So since then, Congress has returned to session. So maybe as a helpful starting point, Shane, can you bring our listeners, our clients up to speed on some key legislative focuses of Congress near to medium term? Yeah, uh, great question, Dan. You know, uh, Congress, I wouldn't say they hit the reset button or refresh button, but, you know, after um, a little time off and staff can, you know, work to uh, tee up the next few items, they come back and ready to go. Uh, You're seeing, you know, the Senate work on a variety of things. Most notably, they're still continuing on nominations to the Biden administrations, um, while, you know, the cabinet officials like the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of Homeland Security have all been uh, secured. There are other things like the Securities and Exchange Commission. So this week, the Senate approved Gary Gensler to hold to uh, chair that commission, and they'll be continuing um, this on other agencies and um, sub-secretary uh, cabinet level position. So that will keep them busy. But they're also going to try and pick up um, a House passed bill that you and I have talked about this year, um, the um, sweeping voting and ethics legislation that um, was a partisan bill in the House and probably will be in the Senate and probably won't advance, but it will consume some time. I think uh, Democrats want to show um, to their constituencies that Republicans are being you know, obstructionist and um, blocking, you know, progress on this issue. In the House, um, you'll see the House uh, proceed with um, a numerous uh, items of legislation. You know, for example, this week they uh, passing some uh, pay equality legislation, um, some uh, legislation dealing with uh, um, discrimination uh, based on uh, uh you know, uh, ethnicity. So, you know, there'll be a lot of these issues. I think the overall thing for us to keep in mind here is that, you know, most of these things right now are, are partisan, not leading to major legislation, major legislative initiatives being enacted into law. Shane, thank you for that recap. It sounds like Congress has had a full plate upon their return and that preview as well. Many of those topics, as you alluded to, we will, I'm sure, follow up on during future podcasts. Now, topic I'm curious to get your thoughts on. This happened late this week. We heard headlines surrounding an initiative to potentially expand the bench on the U.S. Supreme Court. That was very interesting. So I'm curious, Shane, where did this initiative originate from? What has the reception been like, and what are the prospects that this gains any traction? Yeah, great question. Um, this was an announcement from uh, Senator Markey, um, Chairman Jerry Nadler, who's the House Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and a few other um, representatives that they're 
they're going to be pushing to expand the Supreme Court from nine justices to 13. And I think their argument is that, um, you know, over the years, the uh, circuit courts have expanded. And now it's time for the uh, Supreme Court to expand in parallel with that. Um, you know, we've already seen reaction, um, you know, from Republicans, you know, being a hard no on this, which pretty much means it's not going to advance unless, you know, Democrats were able to change the filibuster rules in the Senate, which we don't see happening. Um, further, you've seen Speaker Pelosi say that she has no plans to bring to the floor for a vote. Instead, she's actually pointing to um, this commission by President Biden. Uh, to study a Supreme Court expansion and other issues actually relating to the federal courts. Um, this is a 36-member commission, so we'll be following that. And, you know, so that, you know, could bring change in, in the years to come, but it, it's really now kind of a deferral of the issue. Um, but it, it, this is an interesting issue to watch. You know, um, I think, you know, both sides are going to try and use it for their political advantage, um, Republicans, you know, playing to their base saying, look, you know, Democrats lost and they're trying to now rig the game, if you will. Um, and Democrats are trying to show their base that they're fighting, uh, fighting for, you know, uh, the causes they believe in, including, you know, having a Supreme Court uh, on their side, we'll say. So um, there'll be plenty more to come. But I think what's important to note here is that you know, um, this bill is not moving forward. There won't, we don't see any changes to the Supreme Court in the next two years. Okay, well, Shane, appreciate that context. I know it was a very attention-grabbing headline, so it's good to know where we stand on this as of today. And to your point, something we'll continue to keep an eye on. Another topic I want to address, I know earlier this week, President Biden, now this is on the foreign policy front, uh, the president announced a timeline for withdrawing combat troops from Afghanistan. So, Shane, do we have any color in terms of what this timeline looks like, as well as the rationale behind the the exit and the timing of it. Yeah, uh, my understanding is that uh, the goal here is to have all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th, which you know would be the 20th anniversary of the attack uh, on 9/11. Um, and you know, I think it's important for President Biden, as he sees it, that he doesn't want this um, war in Afghanistan to be turned over to a fifth American president. You know, so. He is the fourth uh, American president dealing with troops in Afghanistan. And, you know, so this has uh, been not only an ongoing effort, you know, that takes resources away from the U.S. in the sense of sending young men and women over to Afghanistan. Um, it also is a huge financial um, um, drain on the U.S. You know, we have uh, spent, I think, uh, trillions over the course of, of the last 20 years on uh, funding this effort. So I think uh, President Biden sees this as um, a move forward in many ways um, and, a, and a step back from, you know, uh, the U.S. having to have this role in Afghanistan. Um, you, you know, I think the reaction has been mixed. You know, you have uh, people who, who are very um, Members of Congress on both sides of the aisle are very concerned about, you know, kind of telegraphing this and what happens afterwards in Afghanistan does it become a terrorist safe haven again. So, you know, I think um, President Biden needs to uh, lay out his plans and his arguments to Congress to get more buy in. 
um, you know, from them. Uh, so this will, you know, evolve, you know, I think, you know, laying this plan out now um, about uh, a few months in advance of 9-11 helps them give a little time to make the argument and it's not sprung on uh, Congress, which they do not like. Uh, so this this will be uh, one to, for us again to follow in the next uh, few weeks and months. Yeah, from what I've seen on the media networks this week, uh, clearly a wide range of viewpoints, opinions on this announcement. So to your point, Shane, we'll see how this materializes over the next few months. Uh, Maybe one more topic we can hit on today. I know in the wake of yet another shooting incident this week, which involved a law enforcement officer as well as a civilian in Minnesota, there have been calls for President Biden to act on a policing commission, which I believe that the president at the time raised on the campaign trail. So I'm curious, Shane, do we have any sense for what the White House's stance is on this? And where do we stand on police reform legislation? I believe that's a topic we've previously spoken about. Right, yeah. You know, um, you are correct to point out that, you know, uh, President Biden, when he was campaigning, he um, made this promise to create a police commission. Um, And it appears he's been backing away from it. I think he's thinking strategically, you know, he should back away from this as a means to help um, pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I think he looks at it as, you know, if, if he moves forward with that right now, it's going to muddy the waters and imperil the chances of the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act. You know, and that bill was passed by the House really on a partisan basis. And and there are people who say it has no chance in the Senate. I think it does have a chance in the Senate. I really think, you know, um, what it's dependent on is um, one of the provisions which has to do with uh, qualified immunity. And this is a legal shield um, for certain um, employees of government agencies like police officers. Um, I think if that were taken out, Republicans uh would not all Republicans, but enough Republicans probably would come on board with the rest of the bill, which um, they do support. So, you know, I think this does has a chance, have a chance to becoming law, but, you know, we have to see if um, Democrats will, are willing to, you know, uh, give up th- that uh, piece of unqualified immunity, which, you know, for, for their perspective, they think is very important. So they may be reluctant to give up on that. Um, so this is kind of, you know, you're seeing the sausage made, we say, in D.C. of how uh, legislation becomes law. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes you have to give and take. And in this um, instance, you're seeing President Biden step away from a campaign promise because he probably thinks that it furthers the larger goal. Um and we'll have to see if that actually pans out. Yeah, as is typically the case, especially in this circumstance, it does sound like that there's a lot of give and take involved. So we'll see how this progresses. Though, Shane, as always, really appreciate your time, the insight provided today, and appreciate your reflections on a wide range of topics from within the Beltway and beyond. So looking forward to picking back up with our conversation with you next Friday. But in the meantime, wish you a nice weekend. 
Thank you, Dan. I hope you have a great weekend too and are enjoy, uh, able to enjoy some Yankees baseball. I'm going to try my best to enjoy some <laughs> It's been a rough go of it for New York baseball sports teams, but we're still in the early innings, as they say. So absolutely. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, please be sure to reference the latest edition of the Washington Weekly Public which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. For clients of UBS, as always, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the Washington Weekly publication directly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.